the biggest advice that I would give um, if you're somebody like me that doesn't have a lot of time on your hands is definitely go to done for you services um, versus trying to figure it all out on your own because you're going to waste a lot of time and get really frustrated on things that really aren't important. Welcome to another episode, episode 9 of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today, my guest is Nadine Crespo. She and I go a little ways back. And actually, the first course I ever bought... No, wait. Second course I ever bought um, is a course that Nadine and I uh, both were enrolled in. And uh, we've had a ton of fun this last year and a half in business. I've known her almost that entire time. And I love what she brings to the table in this interview um, from the perspective of her academic research. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Nadine Crespo is a leadership performance strategist, and she helps female entrepreneurs set themselves apart as industry leaders. As a behavioral analyst and former peak performance strategist for Tony Robbins, she thoroughly understands human behavior, motivation, and the key ingredients that take someone from average to highly sought out. She has degrees in psychology, um, an MS in organizational leadership and applied behavioral analysis. And she also has certifications in work group discussions, which we talk a little bit about in the interview, contemplative practices for business owners, NLP, and is currently pursuing her PhD. She has studied and worked on a global platform and loves connecting and empowering women. The conversation that Nadine and I had was 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 fantastic. Uh, besides talking about her business and, and challenges and, and some of her advice, she also lends her you know, academic background uh, to talking about the difference between transformational and adaptive leadership, which I think is really important in um, in this space. And she also brought up something that a couple of my past interviewees um, hadn't brought up, and it really struck a chord with me: is this idea that academics have an ethics background and how thoroughly needed that is in our industry. So I love this conversation, um, you know, and and the, the place that we took it. So hopefully you guys all enjoy it as well. So here it is. All right. Yay. Today we have Nadine Crespo on with us today. And I'm just so excited because... Oh my gosh, I think you're my first conference bestie. Uh, <laughs> we have been to a lot of, of entrepreneur conferences together and I've just had so much fun. We've shared living space together. We've shared meals um, and many a conversation about entrepreneurship. Nadine, I'm just so glad that you could come on today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you are like my travel roomie and we definitely have yeah. to, <laughs> we definitely have to plan another trip. We do. It is it is way past due for sure. Um so you know, since this is the podcast about academics who start businesses, uh, I'd love to hear, and I would, I'm sure my audience would love to hear as well, what, uh, what you studied um, in academia and tell us a little bit, um, you know, the brief history of Nadine's study career. Sure. So I went back to school much later, which is kind of funny. Um, I, you know, I started working out of high school, tried college here and there. I felt like it wasn't for me just because I started making so much money um, that it wasn't really enticing. However, when I ended up pregnant, I was like, okay, 
I'm working too hard. I'm working too many hours in order for me to have the lifestyle I want. I'm definitely going to have to go back to school. And I was thinking, you know, the clinical route would probably be my best bet um, because I wanted to be able to have that flexibility with my daughter. So I went and I did my undergrad in psych, um, which you mean like basically means nothing. Um, <laughs> it just kind of opens the door. And then um, I ended up going back for my master's in organizational leadership because I felt that there was a need um, to just really show up. And, and this was more from an entrepreneur standpoint back then as well. I was seeing a lot of moms that wanted to do something um, that were stay-at-home moms and they just didn't know what and they were feeling like defeated and like they they had lost their identity a bit. And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're going to get all this back and squared away. And so I, I ended up going that route. And then later I ended up doing... Um, more studies in applied behavior analysis. And that was because my son had gotten red flagged for autism. So that was what they said was the thing to do, you know, if, if somebody has autism. So I started to do that. And that was by far the hardest thing that I had ever done because I think that I've always been a bit of a creative and that was definitely using like the other side of my brain. So really logical, really logical. Um, but it was fascinating because I fell in love with it. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is life. Like literally like, you know, I had studied theory and things of that sort, but this was like the applied version of everything. So actually being able to utilize that skill set in so many different ways was just, I felt it to be really brilliant. And now I'm currently in school again um, for my PhD in organizational leadership. I love it. Yes. And, you know, I think I'm finding too, the more people I interview, we all have kind of different relationships with academia. I feel like, you know, some people take the straight path, right? Like the straight, I always knew I wanted to do this path. And then there's others that kind of dip in and out, um, you know, based on where you are in life. And it sounds like you're definitely like that. And I love that. I think it's kind of like go experience life. Okay, a little bit of a pivot. And then now I want to, you know, go do this. So I think that's really cool. So you mentioned, um, you know, if you can kind of bring me back to maybe when you first started thinking about, oh, hey, I could start my own business or I could, you know, do something, you know, more with my life or something outside of maybe this clinical path. Um, So I'm curious. And since you are a little bit of uh, an in and out kind of academic, what when was this happening for you? When were you thinking about starting a business? Sure. So I would say that that like, I think I've always been like an entrepreneur at heart. And so I've worked for a lot of small businesses um, that were entrepreneurs. And I think where I really like honed in um, was when I got the job offer to go work for Tony Robbins. So going over there was fascinating because I saw like organizational culture so different from the traditional experiences that I had, you know, had. And I, I started off doing like sales and then ended up evolving into doing some trainings, which was great because I was like, oh my goodness, I could do this for myself. Like I was going into businesses and I was, you know, in there for an hour training them. And then after that I would, you know, pitch or invite them to then go to like one of his events. And so it was really cool. And I'm like, you know, I want to do this. I, you know, I, and I'm like, well, how can I help people? And so I think that's what sparked the 
or ignited, you know, the the thoughts of of coaching or even getting into something like service related under under that. Because I always knew I wanted to do something. I didn't know exactly what that was. Um, but when I saw those light bulb moments, and it was so fascinating because I'd be there teaching, and <clears throat> sometimes the person that you thought like was not like giving you good feedback or like there was something off was because they were processing and those were always the ones that would end up buying. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So I thought it was kind of cool and and it helped me because then I didn't feel like, you know, I was on stage and I was like, oh, people aren't vibing with my message. I'm like, no, they're just processing it. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think it's interesting, especially as I think about um, all the different people I've had and I, you know, obviously my own journey. Um, and, you know, there's a huge connection between this personal development kind of space and people having the confidence um, to kind of go out on their own. And so because one of your first jobs was with Tony Robbins, I mean, you're around that every day, right? Like, you know, and so um, I think for a lot of academics, the self-help, like personal development space is something we don't talk a lot about or we don't have access to. And so that was always an interesting thread for me once I started delving more into those kind of that kind of literature and those kind of talks and how it is a little bit of a, of a contrast to academia. There isn't a lot of that kind of self-improvement language around teaching or research or anything like that. It's either you have it or you don't. You either can cut it or you know, make it as an academic or not. Um, so anyways, I find that fascinating in your story because I can only imagine being around that and, and what that did for you know your own um, path. Very cool. So when... Can you take us back to maybe when you did first go, okay, I'm like definitely starting a business and what were kind of some of those first moves that you made? Yeah. So, sorry, I have like a really dry throat. Um, when When I first started, it was probably about maybe like eight years ago. And I just knew that something had to change. Um, and, and I had had my daughter at that point and she was born with a cleft. And so she needed special care. And I was just not willing to negotiate that. I was not willing to sacrifice, um, that time. I, I, it was just so important to me. So my choice was figure this out and start a business because that's the only way you're really going to be able to, to stay home. And so that had launched my first coaching career. And, you know, I, I just thought about it, you know, what do I have from experience? What do I have from academia? How do I merge the two? And at the end of the day, like, what's my goal? How am I really going to help people? So at that point, I was focusing a lot of on moms and I was getting a lot of families. So it was really cool because I feel like, you know, if you shift one person, it changes the dynamic. So that can happen whether it's like in a family unit, you know, in a organizational setting, just in, in, for, in the, in the world, you know, it's that ripple effect. And so, um, so I started doing that and then I ended up pregnant with my son. So again, it was like a little bit in and out. Um, and it wasn't anything stable, but it got, it gave me the taste and it gave me like, okay, I, I could do this. It's proven. I'm making money. Um, and, and so that like warmed my feet, but I didn't really do a deep dive until a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was it like to kind of take this kind of path? Like, what was your family's response or people around you or people maybe you studied with? Did anyone have any judgment or thoughts about you starting your own business? 
Yeah. So before I did the steep dive, I was working as a behavior analyst and nobody understood what I was talking about <laughs> or what I wanted to do. Um, they all thought I was a little bit, they, they all thought it was really interesting, but they were like, Ooh, I don't know. Like it's too risky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big thing. Like, are you sure that you want to give up? Like, a great salary and benefits and you know you are making a difference here and I'm like yeah I am but I want to make a difference like on a bigger scale I want to have bigger impact mm-hmm. so it wasn't that I didn't like my job I didn't leave because I was like oh I hate this like granted I wasn't crazy about like administration and and just like the bureaucracy of that all sure. but I was making change and you know I was making positive impacts but like deep down inside I was like oh my message is bigger my message is bigger mm-hmm. you know I, I got to get to a bigger audience and I know that I'm going to use these tools in a way that's going to help so many people. So it was just like something inside of me every day that was just like, Nadine, you got to do this. Mm. Um, So, but yeah, everyone around me just kind of was, I I feel like they tolerated it, you know? Um, And because they didn't understand it. They were just like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. And then once they saw it all coming into fruition, they were like, holy shit. (laughs) You know, she's not crazy. Look at all these amazing things. How can I do it? Yep. Yep. Awesome. I I feel like I had, I like hid it from my, I mean, cause I was working actively at a college, but I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> and so I was like secretly like in my office. And so, um, yeah, like, but I had the same reaction when I did tell them, which was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Like, you know, obviously if I can leave, then it must be pretty promising. So, um, I found a similar similar thing uh with my with my colleagues. So you mentioned uh you mentioned kind of skill sets a little bit about things that transfer. So I love talking to my guests about what they think they learned in academia, what they got out of doing a really intense program uh of study mm-hmm. and you know research and all this stuff. How what kind of things or skills are you taking away from academia and applying in this online space? I think that like my OL degree like has really helped as far as really leadership development and mm-hmm. understanding. And I did I have um I did a work group study in London at the Chavistock Clinic and that to me was really, really helpful too because it was on work group discussion. So Ooh, it showed me that Yeah, it was really cool. And so basically, like you have this unit and each person, you know, has a role, whether it be like the mediator, um, the facilitator, the talker, you know, the the observer, whatnot. And so it was just fascinating. And and I think that kind of opened my eyes to more of an adaptive leadership style where everybody has equal value and how roles just come are constantly shifting um, because I think I was used to more of a transformational leadership where you have this one person that's leading, you know, this momentum or this movement or whatnot. Uh, And so with that, it was really cool because I think it really taught me like the value of, not that I didn't value everybody, but like the value of a group Mm. and the value that there's always a nugget. There's always an exchange. Um, And it usually is something that you're not even necessarily consciously aware of at the time. So I think that that has helped me when I'm, you know, running groups or running, just to like, 
have that level playing field and to put yourself like I have that humbleness that I'm like, I'm just facilitating this experience. Um, however, like I am not like up here, I'm not on a platform and you guys are all down here. It's not like that. Like we all have equal value to bring to the table and to like collaborate for this, you know, overall global change. So I think that was really helpful. Um, the way that I just like see things. And then the behavior analysis piece is what really, really, really just knocked my socks off and changed my world. Um, so that like just being able to look at everything objectively, um, being able to define everything objectively, because I think that once once I went through that, it, it's like you can't go back. Yeah. And so like that you can't unlearn that. <laughs> yeah. And so like it makes it so challenging sometimes because I'm like, all right, can you objectively define that for me? Because <laughs> what is that? What is the line of that what does that even mean that doesn't mean anything like good to whom you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so i feel like i've become so analytical which um which is a great thing and sometimes it's like okay can you just like tone it down a bit um but i've you know i've been able to utilize that with a lot of my clients so it's really cool because they get to look at things in a way that takes the emotion out so it's mm-hmm. almost like we float above the picture we take data, we float above the picture, and they're able to see it without tying anything to it. There's no judgment, there's no shame, there's no, there's just no emotion because it's almost like a math equation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you know, here, here, and it's connecting the dots and it's seeing patterns and it's, you know, adjusting things so that you can then perform and, you know, evolve into like your best self. So it's, it's been really, really fascinating that I've been able to use that in a non-traditional way. I love it too, because I know a lot of people who are coaches um, who don't apply any sort of tracking or metrics or uh, at all, right? So you're talking about being, you know, an imbalance going a little too to the analytical. But man, in our space, there are a lot of people that have no idea um, how powerful it is to track uh, data and and like actually look at numbers. Um, So I love that you bring that. Everything we're in, in this space is so subjective. Like, what does it even yeah. mean? And, and, I, yes. and I could look at testimonials and I could read things. And I'm like, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, can mm-hmm. you tell me that you grew by, you know, doing this specific thing? Like, where is... And, and, and I think that there's a lot of codependency when you're not using yes. things like this. Because you feel really great when you're with the person, but then it dies off, you know, as that relationship changes. And so my biggest thing is I want to empower people with the tools. So like if I'm teaching you how to do this, you know, it's like the gift that keeps giving. So you could like then do your own like very basic data, look at it and be like, oh, okay, that's going on. I need to shift this. And then you could incorporate it with your clients. So it's just like a really awesome tool that you know, it just keeps giving back, whether it's they're doing it on themselves, whether they're using it for their family, um, because it's just, it's human behavior. It, it, it's our language. It's everyone's mm-hmm. language. Definitely. I love that. So I talk to a lot of my guests also about kind of just describing the online space that we're in. Now, when I talk about entrepreneurship, when I think about entrepreneurship, uh, I tend to gravitate towards the solo entrepreneur who probably is starting a service-based business at home with very little overhead, right? Um, And so... You know, that's kind of who I'm speaking to in this audience because that was part of my journey. So I'm curious, like, your reflections on, um, you know, generally on this industry uh, as it relates to 
the type of work that you do. So when you think about your academic background and you think about the change you're you're making in your business with people's lives, um, how do you think being an academic actually helps you do that? And and like how there's so much space for academics to enter into into on, this online community because like like you brought up you know there's not a lot of people tracking there's not a lot of people thinking analytically or about frameworks or about theory um in reality so i'm wondering if maybe you could comment a little bit on like what the potential is for academics entering into this market and starting a business or starting just a side income sure that was a pretty loaded question. Um, so. Yeah, well, I think I, I started one place and then went another place with it. But um, but yeah, I'm just curious to hear what you have to say about um, the potential for an academic to enter into this market because there is a lot of room, I think, for our level of knowledge and expertise. Right. And I think that this next wave that is coming in... So, so if we just like go back a, a second, like I think that... What the what the market has been is going to shift dramatically. Yes, I think definitely. that it has had like a very like low standard of what's acceptable because mm-hmm. somebody made a little bit money doing it, and so people are trying to duplicate it. So people are sold on really good copy, on really good branding, and they're like, "Ooh, well, you know, this person's doing that," and then they sign something and they start working with this person to only realize that their skill set wasn't really there. And again, that in like the subjectiveness of the business, which I mean, it's not good or bad, you know, like I'm not saying that my way is the best way. However, like at least it's measurable, (laughs) you know, at least Mm -hmm, there's something mm -hmm. tangible that we can actually extract. So I think that the challenge comes in where everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and everyone deserves to have a dream, right? There's like, everyone has a space sure. at the table. So it, it, there's nothing right or wrong, but I think with this new wave of academics coming in, with this new wave of the bar just raising higher, people's expectations are a lot higher, um, that academics are going to flood the industry because they have that skill set that sets them apart. They're no longer just, you know, regurgitating some self-help books that they had read. They're not regurgitating a program that they, you know, had taken or a course that they actually have internalized the information because they've spent time studying this. They understand what research is. They understand that statistics most times are bullshit. Like, you know, people talk about stats all the time and it drives me crazy because they don't understand them. Yeah, you know, yes. I'm, like, I'm like, okay, that's a survey. That's that's a group of people that you're talking to me about. That's not the, the you know the world's population, and that's what they think <laughs> it as. And it's just like, oh my goodness, like if you even understood like the basics. Um, so I think that I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think that it's going to challenge. You know, everyone has to raise to the bar, and like all the leaders are gonna you know surface and. And, yeah. and there's still space for other, you know, other people that aren't necessarily academics. It's just going to be a very, very different dynamic. It's going to be a very different feel. Um, and I think they're just going to have to work a hell of a lot harder to keep up. Mm, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, talked to a couple people about this too. Um, not actually really on the podcast, but more like, hey, I, you know, there's going to be somewhat of a professionalization. I, that's like the best word I could come up with. But 
um, you know, this is, you know, the internet is maturing, I would say too, right? Like having a business on the internet is maturing. So what that means is the standard is going up just like you articulated. And I, and I love that. And I think that's, that's definitely happening. And it's in line with also, it's almost easier than ever to start a business, right? So we're going to have, and that's part of why, you know, there's a lot of people um, who are just like, oh, I'm just going to start coaching somebody and let them tell me their problems. And it's like, cool. You know, I've had a lot of um, psychologists on. The the psychologists tend to like, I think, lean towards entrepreneurship than maybe a a historian or a sociologist like me. But there's a lot of psychologists that I've interviewed. Um, And it scares me, man. We've talked about this with them, like that there's these people who have um, that are coaching, you know, obviously it's not the same thing as therapy, but I don't know that they know the difference that, that where the line is and you're like dealing with people's lives. So, um, I think the more accessible and easy it is to start a business, that means there are more professionals that are leaving the, you know, quote unquote, traditional track and are taking the plunge into doing this thing. And, and, you know, Nadine is basically saying like, yep, we're and you're needed. Like we actually need your caliber of work um, in this field because there are people and there is an ability to make a real change in people's lives. Um, when you have your own schedule and you can, you know, build your own business, um, it definitely is outside of what the walls of academia really can provide the world as well. Yeah, I agree. And then just from the standard, like, you know, when when we talk about like the psychologists in the field and like the mindset work and things like that, it can be really damaging. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think that's another thing that really, really draws um, fantastic boundaries is ethics. And academics mm. understand ethics. They're, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, there's a, specific a great point. code that, you know, if there's, if, if they're hired to do ABC, you know, coaching and somebody comes in with a lot of trauma or somebody comes in with, you know, something they can either say, okay, well, that's not the scope of work that you and I initially agreed on. I can redirect you this way. Or, you know, like they're not trying to be all encompassing because they know exactly what their skill set is. And they're so confident in that skill set that they don't need to be everything to everybody. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, man, there should be like trainings. I mean, so there are trainings like, you know, there are coaching certifications and stuff like that. But as far as any sort of um, regulatory board or anything, there isn't. Um, And, you know, what? I've waxed and waned on that as well. Like, I don't know if there's a way to even do it. And I don't know that that's entirely necessary. But I I think the market, the customers themselves are starting to look for a higher standard. So it is responding to the lack of there being a some sort of regulatory board um, by just being, you know, more discerning, I guess, in the purchases that they make and who they decide to hire. So um, I, I definitely see that change coming too. Um Cool. Um, I, I'm curious. So, you know, we talk a lot about the challenges of starting a business, right? So here you are, like you're a behavioral anal- analyst and you're kind of starting this or you're you're tapping back into um, uh, uh, starting your own business while you're working. Um, what were some of the challenges you uh, faced starting a business either while you were working and, and having a job or just while you were studying. Um, yeah, what are what are some challenges you're facing in business? So when I initially came on, it was I the business that I had had before was in person. 
Um, so I was completely new to this online world and I just didn't even know where to start. You know, I was listening to podcasts or listening to videos on my lunch every day when I drove in, every day when I drove back anytime that I was in the car, you know, in between client visits and just trying to absorb as much information as I possibly could. Um, but I think the challenging thing was where do I go? Like, who do I, who do I try? Mm. Where do, you know, where, where's a good starting point? Um, and, and that was the biggest challenge because I saw people doing it in a very corporate way. And I was like, no, they don't understand me. Like I'm, I'm walking mm, away from something that is, you know, really compartmentalized. I, I want to, you know, do something, something different. And so it was interesting because, I was then kind of like pulled into a different direction. And so following somebody that wouldn't necessarily be my traditional um, first choice. However, like, you know, I found her really captivating and I was like, hmm, if she could do this, then I definitely have to, you know, I I definitely could do this. Like, you know, even from Mm -hmm. a skill set, you know, standpoint, I was like, I got this. I just have to figure out. And so I think that initially what I got caught up on was the tech piece and and just trying to do everything and learn everything. It was really, really frustrating um, trying to like, you know, oh, I'm going to do my own graphics or, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to learn how to do all of this stuff. And so there were times where I just wanted to throw my computer out the window. And I think the challenge for me has always been, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of time on my hands. You know, I'm a mom. Um, at that point, I had two kids. Now I have three. And so balancing a full-time job, when I initially started, I was finishing up my ABA program, you know, managing the kids. It was all like, okay, you know, I'm trying to fit it in wherever I could. So I'd wake up early and work on it. Lunch, I'd work on it. As soon as I come home, once the kids were in bed. And so it was like, when I have the time, I need to make sure that I'm actually using the time wisely and not just bullshit. Mm. So I think the biggest thing for me and the the biggest advice that I would give, um, if you're somebody like me that doesn't have a lot of time on your hands, is definitely go to done-for-you services um, versus trying to figure it all out on your own because you're going to waste a lot of time mm. and get really frustrated on things that really aren't important. Like it, it's going to... I love that. your soul. <laughs> yeah, I, that's such good advice. And, I, and as I look back um, on when I started as well and I was teaching full-time, I mean, granted, I had the summer off and I remember when I had, I had a business idea that shifted basically and it and it's an iteration of my current business. But I had the whole summer to just like get work done. And that was huge. So I think um, if you're currently teaching, um, you're definitely at an advantage, um, not having a typical nine to five. Um, But uh, when my semester started that fall, um, that's when I was, yeah, basically really compartmentalizing my days and using every hour and the weekends, to be honest. But you bring up a great point because we're there's a lot of entrepreneurs that maybe leave their job too early or or they don't have a job at all and they're like you know um or like maybe a mother that had a baby and doesn't want to go back to work and so they're on a budget like a really tight budget and i i feel like 
for me, and it sounds like a little bit for you too, um, we were able to see like have a little bit of flexible money that we were making in our in our business, we were able I was basically I took whatever I made in my business and put it back in my business, essentially, because I was still on my professor salary, right. And I still had healthcare and all that stuff. So um, I was like, okay, what's going to get me somewhere faster. And that's how I was making my decisions. And I think, you know, if you if you can do something similar, and really realize that your time is money. I don't think I've realized that. I didn't realize that until I actually was getting paid for my time. Whereas when you're a salaried job, you just like, you know, you're doing your best for your students and you're just putting in the work. But that same paycheck comes in every month and it's the same price, (laughs) no matter how much effort you put in. Um, So I think when you start to realize like, oh, I could spend a whole entire day trying to figure this out, or I could pay somebody 20, 30, 40 bucks an hour to probably get it done in three or four hours. Um, And yeah, and so making that like those conscious decisions, that's really great advice. And you know, I think I think we get scared in in some cases to make those investments because you know we're like looking at profit and stuff like that. But in in the end, I think to to build a business that has a solid foundation, um, you know, early on, I think that's those are are smart moves because it's if you're gonna try to do it all yourself to save some money, um, you're you're gonna run yourself ragged. That's at least what I've seen. Yeah, or it's just not even going to be what it could have been. Like you're what it could be. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, like you're not the knower of all things, and so if you were to hire somebody that that's their zone of genius, and so like let's say something would take me eight hours, I hire somebody, it takes them an hour and a half, and they did it in a way that I couldn't even imagine because I didn't even know all those tools existed. Right. So I think you're Such really including yourself when you try to be that all-encompassing, well, I could do it or I want to save money here. But at the end of the day, time really is money. And I think that it's so important to stay in really good energy. So if you're like extending energy toward things that you're not really enjoying, and even from a behavior standpoint, you lose that momentum. And then you start mm. getting distracted and doing other things to avoid it or escape it because you're no longer enjoying it. And then that takes a toll on your creative and that takes a toll on how quick your business is going to grow. And even the content that you're sharing and putting out there, where is it coming from? Is it coming from a place that you're like, Ooh, you know, I'm in the zone and and, and I'm having a great day. Or is it like, Jesus Christ, I need, I need to get something out here today. You know, I I need to be visible, (laughs) you know? And and so (laughs) it's so different. And so like when you allow yourself and give yourself permission, you know, it's, it's totally okay to just hand those things off. And in the end, of the day, it really saves you a lot of money. And it's done better than you mm. probably could have done it. Um, and it resonates with your clients and, and and it keeps you in a zone that you're feeling really good and you're able to really focus on where your zone of genius is. And I think that's the really important thing. Oh, most definitely. Um, that, that's really great advice, Nadine. And and uh, I think super actionable or, or very specific. Um, what are you... So I want to hear a little bit about what your business is now. Um, and if you want to kind of explain a little bit of the evolution, feel free. Um, but yeah, what are you currently up to? What does your business look like? Yeah, so... I feel like my business has changed so much. So again, when I when I came back on, um, I was like in the zone where I was like, I'm, you know, 
well, I, I pretty much picked it up from where it was and took it online. So I was like, okay, I'm going to help moms. And because of my experience abroad, I was like, every mom needs to travel and experience this and it's going to make her life, you know, amazing. Um, and so I was honing in and honing in and it was so interesting because nobody was listening. And I was like, what the mm. hell? Man, like I'm doing all this stuff and all I'm getting is crickets. And so I was like, let me just take a step back. And once I did that, and once I saw who was actually coming to my door, instead of focusing on this avatar they tell you to build, mm. I was yes. entrepreneurs that were like, hold on, but you have like a secret tool that's going to help me with performance. Like I'm struggling because I'm doing the same stuff and these same patterns keep occurring and it doesn't matter about my mindset and it doesn't matter like I, I have my vision board and, and I'm motivated and I'm like ooh yeah that's not motivation um, so it was really interesting so that allowed me to like pivot and shift in a way that I, I didn't even imagine initially because I was in my head thinking that I was the knower of all the things, right? So I was like, no, this is what I'm doing. This mm-hmm. is what I'm doing and had like my blinders on but how when I opened them up this is who was at my door. So with a shift like that, it was it was really, really neat um, because I feel like because they were already established and they had already, you know, done courses or gotten coaching or whatever, they understood the value in what I did. So yes, from that standpoint, you know, with those clients, I would do a lot of data with them and we would track like how their day runs. And so it would be self-reported data. However, it would come in through my back end and then I'd be able to analyze it for them, connect the dots um, and then give them feedback, not only like visual feedback, like graphs, because I think that's all neat, but it's like, what does it mean? Okay. So what? Mm-hmm. You have a graph that looks really cool, but like, how is it going to help you? And so I think that's what really differentiates my work is that I'm like, okay, this is, you know, the function of your behavior. You're doing this because of this reason. Let's replace this. Let's do this. You like to be more in a mm-hmm. model environment. So let's take this and let's put this piece here. For you know, look at on Wednesdays you're doing much better. What's going on on Wednesdays? What variables can we manipulate so that we can, you know, do whatever you're doing on a Wednesday on a Friday. So so I think it's really, mm-hmm. really cool that, you know, I get to like play with this and and share and show them and from a leadership standpoint it's been really helpful and and it's it's interesting because again i feel like my the business is evolving and i've been really really open um to see what what's coming and so the latest thing that's coming at my door now is people like busting it down for messaging and they're like, mm. we heard that, you know, you're the person that helps people like create their packages and, and come up with that. And I was like, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And it's, it comes really natural and easy for me. And so that's been something that I've been really enjoying. Um, really helping people to pull their stories out, figure out where their starting point is, and then build on that. So now like things are shifting, you know, again, um, and I'm going with the flow. I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. I have a leadership uh, mastermind that I'm going to be launching. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm pumped. I, I feel like this wave is here. And so the people that are coming through my door want more, they expect more, their standards are really high. Yeah. They're Ivy leaguers. They're, you know, they're, they, they come from all mm-hmm. over. Um, and, and so I, I just, I feel really blessed that I'm able to help them, you know, go through this journey and facilitate an experience that really builds up on that core message. Because to me, that's the foundation of your business. 
You know, if you don't have a strong core, a strong message, nobody's going to understand what you're doing. You and and I think another issue comes into who they are. You know, like mm. somebody can ask you, "Who are you?" and what, what's what's your response? Oh, well, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a mom. I'm you know this and I'm that. It's like okay. But who are you? <laughs> you know, and so that's one of the exercises mm-hmm. that I've been really working on with the clients because when all of that is stripped away, who's left standing there? And that's where your how you build your true like leadership is like who you are, like at the core. And it's the same thing with messaging. It's the same thing with your business. And then that you know then evolves into the performance. So it's been really really neat to watch the progression of everything. That's really cool. Yeah, you know, I I would say uh, yeah, I had a similar experience. I feel like we I feel like running a business is you take a couple steps and then you're like, "Oh, so this is where I'm at." Okay, cool. I either like this or I don't like this, right? Or I don't feel like I'm moving towards the goals that I want to be moving towards, so I'm going to go this way. And um what I'm finding is that's like this whole journey is all of that. And I think about or the journey being like entrepreneurship. I think about how little parallels there are to that in academia. (laughs) Like it's kind of like, yes, maybe you could argue that finding the subject you want to study is a little like that where you're like, oh, I loved this sociology class. Oh my gosh, I want to, you know, master in it. Um, But then then it's just like set in stone. Like, do you want to get a master's? Great. Do you want to do the PhD? Awesome. Do you want to do a postdoc? Great. Do you want to be a professor? Boom. Like the path is set. (laughs) Um, But with entrepreneurship, it's like there's a lot of... um, finding yourself and then also like finding your business and finding who's showing up for your business. And so that changes really quickly in so many ways. Um, Maybe it is a little bit like like doing academia because I'm thinking now back to my dissertation and what I thought I was going to research when I first started my my doctoral program and then and what I ended up writing on, it is different. So maybe there are some more parallels than I am like considering. But as far as like status and achievements those are really set for you, right? And that's the part that I love about entrepreneurship is like, they're not set for you. There's no perfect like path to be an entrepreneur. Some people want to make a million bucks. Some people don't. And so there there doesn't have to be a certain way that you have to show up and do it. But um, we pretty much... I feel like I just show up every day and I'm just like, okay, what's the new version of me today? <laughs> Where's this ship going? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you see any connections or parallels to what it's like to do research um, in building a business, um, if there's anything you can think of. Yeah, like I feel like I intertwine them so much. Um, Mm. And so like even like my dissertation will be on um, like leadership amongst female entrepreneurs. And so so my master's was on what was on mompreneurs at the time. um, My studies have always evolved around entrepreneurship. And so when I look at things um, and even like market research, when we're talking about like analytics on posts and things like that, I, I guess my psych brain always kicks in like, okay, what is engaging and why? And where are people out? Where are people at in their lives? that they're, you know, receiving this message this way, because I can show you a picture of like a cube. And one day you say it's a square, one day you say it's a cube, you know, like it it doesn't matter if the messaging is the same, people are going to receive it differently depending on where they're at. And so I think that 
looking at things again objectively and um, looking at it from a big picture, I'm, my brain is constantly just rolling more like, I guess, from academia, like, all right, where are people in their life cycle? All right. How are they looking at this? How How is this being received? How should this be, you know, marketed when it comes to stories, when it comes to copy, when it comes to messaging? Like, I, I think that it all intertwines um, really deeply, like, from the brain, from, you know, behavior. So, so I, I feel like I'm constantly, they interweave. There's not a separation for me. Yeah. So that's so funny because I'm having an aha moment right now, Nadine, listening to you say that yours is intertwined because I remember how business and life is intertwined and realizing that, right? Well, some part of me still is like, oh, academic Lindsay was like the past, like Professor Lindsay was the past. Uh, The Lindsay who had to show up and teach a class at a certain time, you know, the past. And, And so it's like, it feels like a different life. Uh, but then when I'm running my business, like the sociologist, the professor is still running a business. Like, it's not like I can compartmentalize like those assets that I got out of getting a degree. Um, like they, they aren't separate for me, but I think what's interesting for you is you're in entrepreneurship, you're running a business and you're also in grad school. So that makes for it probably feeling very intertwined, um, in maybe like a different way, but I just wanted to echo back to you that I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, that's probably true. Like I, yeah, I'm still an academic and an entrepreneur and that's not going away. Right. And I feel like, you know, what you do, you know, from a sociology standpoint, is still very Professor Lindsay, what, you know, in whichever way you want to say it, it's just in a different structure. It's just using totally you know, paradigm to, to teach the universal truth of what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. so I guess I just look at it from that you know, standpoint, like I, for me, everything is behavior. Breathing is behavior. Blinking Mm -hmm. is behavior. So, you know, that from an academic standpoint, I use all of that in in my work. Not even work. Like I use it every day in my life, you know, like, and so I just feel like it's, it's like soaked in, it's internalized so deep that I Mm -hmm. can't make the separation anymore. It's just who I am. I think it's so great. Yeah. And I love that too. Just being like, all of you shows up when you're starting a business. I'll say that. And I felt the same, you know, in those moments of, I don't know if it's like high stress or high pressure, but I think back to some aspects of grad school and it's like, when the pressure's on, when the heat is on, you know, who shows up, right? Like of of yourself, like what part of you? And I feel like entrepreneurship, it's that a lot. Like who, like I'm really finding who I am even more than grad school. I feel like in some cases, grad school, as my dissertation was, you know, a really powerful experience, um, grad school was difficult, but, um, and it did test me, but there's something about you know, making money and like having the control over your life and deciding like what you get to do when you wake up in the morning, that kind of thing that um, I don't know if it tests you or just really highlights like who you are. And I'm, you know, getting even more clear on being like, every experience that I've had up until this point, everything I've studied, everything I've been through is what has put me to be exactly where I am right now. And I don't regret 
getting a degree and spending, you know, six figures or whatever to go through school um, and have that bill because it's like, that's actually part of the story. Like that's actually something I'm supposed to talk about, right? And I feel like a, a big difference too is that when you're in grad school, you have a cohort. So you have a group mm. of like-minded people that are going through the same experience. And it's a guided experience that you're not necessarily choosing who guides you. You're just literally like following this path with this group of people. When you're when you choose to be an entrepreneur, now you're like navigating this world alone. And once mm. you get paid to do it, that's a whole different ballgame. Like not the same as, you know, totally different. research paper, you know, like th- there's no safety net. Now it's like, okay, I have to deliver on what I promised. You know, it's really yep. showing up and, and it's really like getting you out of that comfort zone um, to stand in your truth and to stand in your power. So I think that it's being an entrepreneur can be really, really empowering in your sense of truth Definitely. and showing up and who you are. Um, but yeah, it could be, Totally scary sometimes too, because you don't have that safety net. You don't have that cohort. You don't have that teacher to bounce back to, to say, oh, I don't know about, you know, this, this topic on my dissertation, I'm not finding enough research, you know, whatever the the case may be, this is life. And you're, you're now even more responsible. It's not words on a paper. You're actually applying things and shifting people's lives. So there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. That's huge. Ooh, that's awesome. I think that's an awesome place to end our conversation. It's been so fun chatting with you today, Nadine. So anyone listening, if they want to spy on you on the interwebs, where would you be sending them? (laughs) Um, You could definitely find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, my website, NadineCrespo.com. There's a couple cool things launching. Um, So yeah, be on the lookout. Yay. Well, I'm excited. Well, I can't wait to have you back again, because I feel like we could talk about all things behavior and (laughs) this online space. I feel like that's like a whole other topic and interview. I actually like getting deep with, I feel like there's maybe another side podcast about getting academic, um, studying entrepreneurship, right? Like from our different angles and our expertises, that would be really fun. Um, so yes, thank you again. And I look forward to talking to you later. Absolutely. Thank you.